Talk Radio's red-headed stepchild. Solace Radio. We go where no talk radio has gone before. When our Messiah was challenged with the question, what is the greatest commandment of all? He responded with the words from Scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 and Leviticus 19, 18. And remember, as we were learning on, on Wednesday, in the Hebraic mindset, when you recite the first line of a blessing or a prayer, it invokes the entire rest of the prayer. So as Yeshua mentions Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, he, he has in mind the entire passage of Leviticus, uh, I'm sorry, uh, from Deuteronomy uh, 6, 5 through 9. He has that whole passage in mind when he says it. And so as we recite the Shema and the Ve'ahavta, uh, which is loving God, and then he added Leviticus 19.18, Ve'ahavta l'reaka chamocha, love your neighbor as yourself, we remember that it's all about love. Loving God and loving one another. On these two things, all the rest of the writings, the law, the prophets will stand. So, so love, love is what it's all about. And so we recite the Shema and the Ve'ahavta together. Uh, if you know it in the Hebrew, join with me. If you don't, then we'll recite it in the English immediately afterwards. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'avta Et Adonai Elohecha Ve'chol Levavcha Ve'chol Nafshcha Ve'chol Mehodecha Ve'hayu Ha'devarim ha'ele Asher anochi metzavcha Hayom al-levavcha V'shinantam levanecha V'libaytabam V'shivtcha b'veitecha Uvlechtcha v'aderech Uf shach v'cha uf kumecha Uf shartam liyod al yadecha V'hayu litotafot b'in einecha Uchtav tam al mizuzot beitecha uvisharecha. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This morning's Torah portion is Parashat Bamidbar. Bamidbar comes from the book of Bamidbar. That's right. It's the book of Numbers, 
And you'll hear chanted in the Hebrew from Bamidbar in Numbers chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Bamidbar, book of Numbers, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Baruch Adonai, Tefillah. Blessed are you, O Lord, who hears prayer. Now we get ready to hear the word of the Lord. And we'll ask the readers to make themselves ready. And while the readers are making themselves ready, we'll remind ourselves why we're getting ready to hear three passages from the scripture. We're going to hear a Torah portion, a Haftarah portion, and a Brit Hadashah portion. And the reason we do this is because this is how our Messiah Yeshua taught his disciples. In Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and 45, we read this. Then he said to them, these were the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And so he taught all the things about himself from the law of Moses, which is what we call our Torah portion from the first five books. And again, our Torah portion is Parashat Bamidbar from Numbers in chapter four, beginning in verse five. And then Luke records that he taught them all of the things that they were going to need to know about him from the prophets and the Psalms. Well, in Yeshua's day, that was the rest of the Bible, or the Old Testament is what we call it today, or the Tanakh. And this morning's Haftarah portion is from Hosea, Hosea in chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 15, 16. Can't read, need new glasses. And then it says, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So in order for them to understand everything that had come before, he, had, he explained it to them. Anything that they needed to understand fully, he explained. These are his words. Of course, we read this in the New Covenant, or what we call the Brit Hadashah, or the New Testament. And this morning's Brit Hadashah uh, passage comes from the letter that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to the congregation in Rome in chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. Enlighten our eyes to your scriptures, and may our hearts become one with them, even as they have become one with Yeshua HaMashiach, HaDavar HaChai, the living word, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Readers, you're up. Shabbat Shalom. I'll be re reading from the Torah, from the book of Numbers, verses 5 through 15. When the time comes to break camp, Eyal Haran, is to go in with his sons, take down the curtain which serves as a screen, and cover the ark of the testimony with it. On that they are to place a covering of fine leather, and on top of that spread on all blue cloth. Then they are to insert the carrying poles. On the table of showbread they are to spread a blue cloth and place it on its dishes, incense, pans, offering bowls, and pitchers. The perpetual bread is to remain on the table. They are to spread on these things a scarlet cloth, cover them with a covering of fine leather, and insert the poles. They are to take a blue cloth and cover the menorah for the light, its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and the jars used to add oil to it. They are to wrap it and all its accessories in fine leather and place them on a carrying frame. On the gold altar, they are to spread a blue cloth, cover it with a covering of fine leather, and insert its carrying poles. They are to take all the utensils they are to use when serving in the sanctuary and put them in a blue cloth. 
cover them with a fine leather and place them on the carrying frame. After removing the greasy ashes from the altar, they are to spread a purple cloth over it and to place on it all the utensils required for their altar service. The fire pans, meat hooks, shovels, basins, and other utensils for the altar. Then they are to spread over it a fine leather covering and insert its carrying poles. From Aaron and his sons have finished covering the holy furnishings and all the holy utensils when the camp is about to move forward. Then the descendants of Kaot are to come and carry them, but they are not to touch the holy things, so they won't die. These things are the responsibility of the descendants of Kaot in the tent of meeting. This morning's half to our portion is from Hosea, chapter 2. Hosea, chapter 2, starting in verse 16. <clears throat> but now I'm going to woo her. I will bring her out of the desert, out to the desert, and I will speak to her heart. I will give her her vineyards from there, and the Akor Valley as a gateway to hope. She will respond there as she did when young, as she did when she came up from Egypt. On that day, says Adonai, you will call me Ishi, my husband. You will no longer call me Baali, my master, for I will remove the names of the Baalim from her mouth. They will never again be mentioned by name. When that day comes, I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, the birds in the air, and the creeping things of the earth. I will break, ba- I will break bow and sword, sweep battle from the land, and make them lie down securely. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in grace, and in compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you will know, Adonai. When that day comes, I will answer, says Adonai. I will answer the sky, and it will answer the earth. The earth will answer the corn, wine, and oil, and they will answer Israel. God will sow. I will sow her for, my, for me in the land. I will have pity on the unpitied, and I will say to, to you, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Shabbat shalom. Today's Brit Hadashah portion comes from the book of Romans, verses, excuse me, chapter 9, verses 22 to 33. Now, what if God, even though he was quite willing to demonstrate his anger and make known his power, patiently put up with people when deserve, excuse me, patiently put up with people who deserved punishment and were ripe for destruction? What if he did this? in order to make known the riches of his glory to those who are the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, that is, to us, whom he called, not only from among the Jews, but also from among the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. Her who was not loved, I will call loved. And in the very place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. But Yeshua Yahu, referring to Israel, cries out, even if the number of people in Israel is as large as the number of grains of sand by the sea, only a remnant will be saved. For Adonai will fulfill his word on the earth with certainty 
and without delay. Also, as Yeshua said earlier, if Adonai Tsa or Ot had not left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. We would have resembled Amora. So what are we to say this, that Gentiles, even though they were not striving for righteousness, have obtained righteousness, but it is a righteousness and grounded in trusting. However, Israel, even though they kept pursuing a Torah that offers righteousness, did not reach what the Torah offers. Why? Because they did not pursue righteousness as being grounded in trusting, but as it is, were grounded in doing legalistic works. They stumbled over the stone that makes people stumble, as the Tanakh puts it. Look, I am laying in Zion, Zion, I suppose, a stone that will make people stumble, a rock that will trip them up, but he who rests his trust on it will not be humiliated. Shabbat Shalom. This is a Parshat Bami Baragan comes from the very beginning of the book of Numbers, which starts in the Hebrew with Vayadaber Adonai El Melsheh, which is very, very standard. We talked about this last week. It, it's, it's a formula. Lots of passages start this way. Vayadaber Adonai El Moshe, and the Lord spoke to Moses. Okay? We read that a lot in the Torah. And then the next words in this morning's portion are Bamidbar Sinai, in the wilderness of Sinai. So the first significant word here is Bamidbar, and that's why it's named Bamidbar. Uh, in the wilderness is what, it, is what it means. And we begin a type of structure this morning. It's sort of like the Israelites' organizational chart. This is, how, this is the hierarchy. This is how things are structured uh, and the responsibilities for, uh, for each of the different delineations within, within this organization. So the first thing they have to do before, before you can create this organizational chart is you have to know who you got, right? If you don't know who you got, then you can't assign them places. So the first thing that we read about in Numbers, which, by the way, is why most people dislike the book of Numbers, what do they do? They take a census. They start counting. Thus, numbers. Okay? So the word census in Hebrew is really an interesting phrase because it doesn't say census. It says su'u et rosh. Have you heard the word rosh before? Rosh? Rosh? As in rosh hashanah? What does rosh hashanah mean? The head of the air. So what does rosh mean? Head. Rosh means head. So what does that have to do with the census? Well, su'u et rosh means to lift up the head. So basically what this idea is saying is that the Lord wanted Moses to have all of the males aged 20 and up pass before him, basically. Lift up their heads so he could identify them and count them individually. Not that they were just a group of, just a group, numbers, just, just numbers, faceless masses, but each person individually made a difference and mattered. So as they lifted up the head to be counted, 
they were identified as being one of the tribe, if you will. We call them today members of the tribe, just members of the tribe. So they counted them, uh, all the males, age 20 and over, by name and by tribe. So they could assign where, where they're supposed to be. Why did they do that? So that they knew who they could count on in the event of war. Because it was just the males, 20 and over, that went to war. They counted everybody at that time except for one tribe. Which tribe? Levi, the Levites. They weren't counted yet. They would be counted separately. And we read that there were 603,550. Now, you can think what you want about what the Bible says. If the Bible to me says there were 603,550, then how many were there? 603,550, not 552, not 547, 603,550. That's how many there were, except for the Levites. Now, the other thing that this particular portion talks about is the arrangement of the camps. There were all of these people, and remember that 603,550 was just the males 20 and over. Most records say that there were probably about a million and a half people at this point. Lots of people. They arranged them in camps, all centered around what construction? The tabernacle, the Mishkan. So there were were three tribes in the north, three tribes in the south, three, I know, north, south, east, west, one of them or the other. Facing your direction would be east and west. Uh, and then the Levites had their own, their own little task that they were assigned. Now, remember, the Levites included the priests. The priests were also children of Levi. Okay? Aaron was a Levite. There were priests. You know, there's also the high priest. There were priests. There were the rest of the Levites. Now, remember, there were clans and tribes within each, you know, each division uh, or I should say there were clans within each tribe. And uh, there's a clan from Aaron and Aaron's sons. All the other clans ha- were just the, the Levites. So you had the priests, the Levites, and then there were everybody else. And their assigned tasks were given in this particular portion. The priest's mission is actually laid out in Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. Exodus 28, verse 1 said that the job of the priests is to minister to who? To God, not to people. The job of the priest was to minister to God. That's Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1. Okay? The role of the Levites is delineated in this particular passage. In chapter uh, 3 of Numbers, in verse 6. So the job of the priest is to minister to God. The job of the Levite is to minister to the priest, okay? they are going to serve the priests. The people then, we're going to learn throughout, are responsible for ministering to the Levites. So you've got the priests who are serving God, the Levites who are serving the priests, and then the rest of the people who are serving the Levites. And when I say serving the Levites, we think about things like the tithes and the offerings were going to the priests, the Levites really, 
because nobody, you know, they didn't get an inheritance. They didn't have land. Um, they were being really served or taken care of by the rest of the people. So we see, even though the priests have a role to minister to God, we see throughout that they're also ministering to people. They're praying for the people. They're interceding on behalf of the people. See, prayer, as we mentioned just a little bit ago here, is a two-way communication. As the priests intercede on behalf of the people, and even Moses intercedes on behalf of Aaron from time to time, it, it has to be two-way. The way that we communicate involves hearing from God. How do we hear from God today? I suggest to you there's really two ways we hear from God. We hear from God through the power of his ruach, his spirit. We also hear from God through his word. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, my father in heaven. You're a great and glorious God and king. We worship you. We adore you. We know that apart from Messiah, we are not worthy of you, but you loved us enough to send your son, Yeshua, our Messiah, to wipe away our debt, to cleanse our sin, to take the sins that we have committed away from us as far as the east is from the west so that we can have an open, clear communication with you, a relationship with you like no other. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to do that. We praise you and worship you. And we open our hearts to you this morning, Lord, that you might touch us and reveal something to us new today and help us to have a better understanding of you and your word, and of course, your spirit, uh, in, you know, in whom we find our comfort, our guidance, and understanding of, of your word. So thank you for the, all of that, Lord, in the name of the living word, Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. This is from a movie called The Apostle. You see, the church was supposed to be torn down, and that's why, why he was there. And as he pulls up, you know, he encounters a group of the parishioners who are there uh, because he does, they don't want the church torn down. And Sonny, the preacher, reads from, Psalm, reads from the psalm. Leaving the Bible open, he sets the book on the ground, the Bible, on the ground in front of the tractor. And he says, if you want to knock that church down, you're going to have to run over that book to do it. You see what ends up happening. They, he ends up not, not doing it. They don't, they don't tear the church down. The reason they don't turn church, tear the church down, there's power in the book. Now, you may not think so. You might even have it just sort of sitting as a coffee table book at your house. But there's power in that book. Because that book is the word of God. And that word of God is how God chooses to communicate to his people today. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can communicate directly with you. If you have faith in Messiah Yeshua, then when you placed your trust in him, he gave you a very special gift of the Holy Spirit. And when he did, he gave you an open line of communication. How many of you are old enough to remember the Batman television show with Adam West? Okay. Some of you. Some of you are probably old enough but don't want to admit it, and so you didn't raise your hand. I saw a couple of you at home do that. That's fine. It's okay. Um, on the commissioner's desk, do you remember what was on the commissioner's desk? It was a red phone. It, you didn't have to dial anything. All you had to do 
pick it up. And it was a hotline to Batman. So if the commissioner ever needed anything, just pick up that red hotline phone that's sitting on the desk. I'm Batman. Now, I am not, don't hear me saying that I am making fun of the Holy Spirit. I am not. But the Holy Spirit is better than a red hotline phone. Because we have a direct line of communication to God. God. God better than Batman. You agree? God is better than Batman. We have a direct red hotline phone to God because of the Holy Spirit. There's power in the book. There's power in the word. There's truth in that book. The word is truth. How do we know that? It's in the book. It says it right in the book. The word is truth. And that book, in the same way that the book in the video clip could not be moved. Look, people think they can move the book. They think they can move the book by picking it up and moving it. I have the power. I have more power than this book. I can pick this book up and move it. They think they can pick up the book and move the book by prayer. I can change what's in this book by praying about it and asking God to do it. I can pray and change the book. You can't change the book. You can't move the book. What's in the book is permanent. It is truth. It's not going away. It's forever. And so when the, when the tractor driver decides, I can move the book, Sonny gets the people to tell him the truth. What do they say? Nobody moves that book. Say it again. Nobody moves that book. He says, say it again. Nobody moves that book. Even when he knelt down on his knees to pick up the book, couldn't do it. Sonny got right down there with him. Pray for him. This isn't what you came to do. The book cannot be moved. The Old Testament, you know, we celebrate in the fact that at Shavuot, according to Jewish tradition, God receives the, the word on Mount Sinai. The Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai at Shavuot. That's when the word was given. And that's what we celebrate, again, according to tradition. Now, it's a really, really interesting situation. And I've taught on this many, many times, that there is a controversy when it comes to the date of Shavuot. There's another holiday. I want to say another holiday. It's known by another name in Christian circles. What is it called in Christian circles? It's called Pentecost. Why? Why is it called Pentecost? What does Pentecost mean? 50. It's Greek for 50. It's the 50th day after the Sabbath of Passover. According to Leviticus 23, the day you start counting the day after the Sabbath of Passover. Now, here's the problem. What is the Sabbath of Passover? Theoretically, in most years, there are three pass Sabbaths that occur during Passover. The first day, according to Scripture, is a, is a, is a Sabbath. It says, you will do no regular work. It says, the last day is a Sabbath. You will do no regular work. How many days is the holiday? Seven. Good. Thank you, Stephen. I heard you. So there are seven days to this holiday. The first day is a Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath. But if there are seven days to the holiday, that means there is another Sabbath somewhere in there. Because you can't go seven days without reaching a Saturday Sabbath at some point in the middle. 
So when do you start the count? It says the Sabbath, the day after the Sabbath of Passover. According to Jewish tradition, it's the, the Sabbath that is the first day of Passover. You start your count right after that. However, it says in the scripture that you're supposed to count seven Sabbaths from the day after the Sabbath of Passover. And the day after the seventh Sabbath is Shavuot. The day after the seventh Sabbath is day number 50. The only way you can get, the only way you can get to 50 after counting seven Sabbaths and going to the day after the seventh Sabbath, the only way you can get there is if you start counting on a Sunday. It's the only way to get to 50. And that usually creates a, a, a discrepancy between what really the Bible says and what the Jewish tradition follows. There is one exception to that. And that exception is when the first day of Passover falls on a Sabbath. The, that means that there are only two Sabbaths during, that, during that, that time. Because the Sabbath that's in the middle of Passover week is the first night of Passover. Now, lots of people have this idea, it's a false idea. And I don't want you to get this idea that Christianity stole Shavuot. They did not. Shavuot is a celebration of the giving of the word. It wasn't taken by Christians. God rather used it to show us something really, really important. A very important connection between the word and the spirit. Because the, the feast of Shavuot, which is the feast of weeks, or Pentecost from the word for 50, is also the day on which the Holy Spirit was given. Now we read this in the book of Acts in chapter 2 at the very beginning. There were all Jewish people from all over the place in Jerusalem on that day because it was the Feast of Weeks. It was the Feast of Shavuot. It's one of those three pilgrimage festivals where Jewish people were supposed to go to Jerusalem every year. So there were Jewish people from all around the region in Jerusalem at the time and they were there to celebrate the giving of the word, to celebrate this Feast of Weeks. What ended up happening was there were 120 disciples that were on the roof, and they were touched by the Ruach, the Holy Spirit. God used the Torah at Mount Sinai to formally establish the nation of Israel by covenant. You know, centuries and centuries later, God used that same festival to create what we call today the church with the capital C. His body of believers. Now, I told you earlier that word and spirit are intimately connected. They're so closely connected that they really if you think about it, they cannot be pulled apart. They cannot be separated. And it's not just the New Testament that talks about it. In Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 23, Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 23, in the Hebrew, it says, 
Abiya lachem. Abiya lachem. I will cause my spirit to flow. Abiya is, is I will cause to flow to you. Lachem. I will cause to flow to you, Ruhi, my spirit. And then he says, Odia divare, divarai. Odia is from the word uh, yada, which means to know. He says, I will cause to know my word, etchem, with you. I will cause my word to be known with you. Interesting. He's going to cause his spirit to flow to you so that his word will be known with you. As he gives you his spirit, his word becomes with you. They're intimately connected. It's really very interesting. In Zechariah chapter 7, in verse 12, it says, Et ha Torah, Torah, instruction. The instruction, the et ha divarim, and the words, the instruction and the words, asher shalach, which I, I send, Adonai Tzvah, which the Lord of hosts sends, Baruchho, by his spirit. Wow, this is Zechariah. And once again, Zechariah confirms what the proverb says. The proverb says that God will cause his spirit to flow to you so that his words will be known with you. And Zechariah says that instruction and the words, the things, okay, are sent by his spirit. The Lord of hosts sends his instruction and his word by his spirit. They're intimately connected. And now let's look at the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, verse 21, and this, this sort of seals the deal. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I, w- I won't go, go into the Greek. Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, even to speak the word of God with courage. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were empowered to speak the word of God. By the way, when you become empowered to speak the word of God, to call people back to the word of God, do you know what they call that? Prophecy. Prophecy. I've taught this a lot. They say that the gift of tongues is what, you, is what everybody gets when you hear or when you receive the Holy Spirit. According to the scripture, what everybody gets when they receive the Holy Spirit is the power of prophecy, the ability to speak the word of God with courage. That is a strong connection between the Holy Spirit and the word. Now, what was the purpose of the word? And where do we read that in the scriptures? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 begins with all scripture, and all scripture includes, by the way, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, right? All scripture. In fact, the word graphe, which is what, you know, is used here, is the word for writings. It's almost, almost always used to refer to the Holy Scriptures, and almost always used, you know, in reference to the, to the Old Testament. It is 
Theopneusto. It is God breathed. Theo is from is what the word God is. Okay, theology, theological. It's referring to God. Theopneusto. Panusto is from the word breathe or spirit. It's just like the word ruach. Ruach in Hebrew means breath or spirit or wind. Panumo is the same thing, is spirit or breath or wind. So theopneusto is inspired. It's, it's God-spirited. It is God-breathed. It's inspired. This is what the word inspired is in the Greek. It is profitable, which means you can heap it up or accumulate it. The more you read it, the more you accumulate of it, the more you can remember, the more you can speak, which is what God's given his spirit to us for, to speak the word of God in courage. So all of it is good for this. You, you bring it up. It's good for teaching. Didascalion is to, you know, for teaching. In, you know, it's in an apostolic manner. It's a prophetic manner. It's a, hey, this is what the word of God says. You're not doing this. Come back to it. Come back to the word of God. That's what prophets did, because that's prophecy. There is a part of prophecy that, you know, deals with telling the future, but that's a really, really small part. The most, the most, the biggest part of prophecy is preaching the word, speaking the word uh, in encourage and calling people back to it. It's good for reproof. The word here uh, for reproof means to convict or call to account. So as you speak it in courage and other people hear it, they are supposed to become convicted by it if they're not doing it. It's good for training. Paideon is, uh, is complete body and mind. Training as if you're training for a marathon. It's not a one-time deal and done. It's an ongoing way to complete you to, to make your body and mind sound or whole, complete. It's good for righteousness. Now, what is my definition of righteousness? If you've been here for a while, you'll know. Um, Lina, uh, you might know you've been here for a while. Uh, Keith Naya, um, I'm, you, might, you might also know. Um, Jennifer, I don't think you would. Uh, Suzanne, I'm not sure you would. My definition of, of righteousness is covenantal faithfulness. Covenantal faithfulness is the ability to stay true to the covenant. Now, that should be, be fairly self-evident then as to why all scripture is good for righteousness, because how do you know whether or not you're being true to, your, to, the, to a covenant if you don't know what the, the terms of the covenant are? You know, I am one of those really detailed people. Kim will tell you, when I get a contract, I am that guy who will sit down at the table, take off my glasses, and actually start reading the whole thing. Absolutely right. Because I don't want to enter into a covenant contract. If I don't know what the covenant says, the Torah, the, the Tanakh, all of scripture is a description of the covenant that God says we were entering into with him. Old covenant or new covenant, you still, you have to know what the covenant is. Uh, and it's good for completion. 
to perfect people. Artio means adequate. It's adequate. Um, in, and it's good for equipping. Uh, equipping in the Greek means to be furnished perfectly. So there is this incredible connection between the word and the spirit. Because I will tell you that all of those things that were just mentioned, that I just talked about, from teaching to reproof to correction to um, righteousness for training, all of those things, God gives them to us in his spirit. And he did something else. By sending his spirit, he expands his own world for us. Because who was the Torah given to? The Torah was given to, it was given to Moses to give to the children of Israel. It was given to Israel. To whom was the spirit given? Let me put it this way. Lottie dottie, everybody. And now it's no longer through Israel that you have a relationship with God. Now it is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. And this is sort of where Paul is going in his letter to Rome. He's comparing Israel and the Gentiles. The Gentiles, he says, will be called children of God when they never had a relationship before, except through Israel. And I believe that that's where a lot of confusion comes. Prior to the Messiah's arrival, the relationship with God came through this nation of Israel. Now that Yeshua has come, the relationship with God comes not through a nation, but through a person, the person of Messiah. Israel was chasing the law of righteousness in their own strength. They were looking to the law to provide them righteousness when no longer was righteousness through the Torah. The, the righteousness now comes through Messiah, through the Holy Spirit. The word is made active in us through the Spirit of God. And the Word will never ever contradict the Holy Spirit and vice versa. If the Holy Spirit, if you believe that the Holy Spirit says something to you, but it's different from what the book says, I'll bring you back to what the first thing I said in this message was. The book cannot be moved. If you think that the Holy Spirit is saying something to you that's contrary to that book, I suggest that you ask the Holy Spirit to show you again because there's a voice in your head that is speaking to you something that is untrue. That is not the Holy Spirit. On one day a year, we celebrate both the giving of the word and the giving of the spirit. It's a study all through the night. It's celebrated also with the reading of the book of Ruth. Why is the book of Ruth read? Because the, the law on Shavuot is to leave an edge of your field untrimmed, ungleaned. And that's exactly what happens in the book of Ruth. That's in fact why Ruth ends up you know, connecting with Boaz. So we read the book of Ruth. We eat dairy dishes. Why do we eat dairy dishes? Well, because we're celebrating the milk of the word. So traditional foods include cheese blintzes, cheese cake, cheese, <laughs> you know, dairy dishes, um, kugels are, are, are popular, um, but it, it's, it's this, dairy, this dairy connection. And there are lots of other wonderful traditions, but even as we do these things, 
We must remember that behind this holiday is a very important truth. God has always wanted to be in a relationship with us. That's why initially he gave us his word so that we could be in relationship with us. And when we turned away, when we turned our back on him, when we ignored him, God didn't walk away from us. God pressed in. He pursued us with a passion and made the way himself, not just for Israel, but for the whole world to have a relationship with him through his spirit. And what did he do to get it there, to get it to us? He sent his son, his only begotten, so that he could go to the cross for us. Take our sin, making us clean and holy and pure vessels to receive his Holy Spirit. And then he sent his spirit. And this incredible gift was made possible through the grant given to us by Yeshua, God's son. Let's pray. Avinu Shabbat our Father in heaven. Thank you for this incredible festival in which you show us the connection between your word and your spirit. Lord, don't ever take either away from us, please. Help us to incorporate both into our lives, Lord, because we know that as we do, we will draw closer and closer to you. Thank you, Father, for, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for your spirit, and for your son who made it all possible.